audience. Oh, of course. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. if you've been to Summer Tech, you go, oh, the no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Summer Tech Podcast. Today, we are joined by Ben, our wonderful tech director. Hello. And Miles, who has been a senior web dev teacher at Summer Tech, as well as professional thinker. Thank you. Among his many roles here. <laughs> How you doing, Miles? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? Doing really well. Thanks for joining us today. So before we sort of dig into who you are and your experience at Summer Tech a little bit, have either of you sort of seen any news about tech? And I do this every week. I set up this question the wrong way every week. Because the <laughs> thing is, I like say, have you seen any tech news in the news? And I flub it every week, and then Ben has to edit it. Have you seen any news relating to tech? There thank you, you Miles recently i've got some personal news Ooh, let's it's, hear it uh, newsworthy so many moons ago i started trying to get a computer up and running i had the tower from my friend's old dell xps which was like cutting edge in 2009 classic you know ddr2 Pentium, oh, yeah. you know 480 graphics card so i said wouldn't it be cool to use this case and to build a pc so i could you know do video editing faster and play some games i got my parents to bring me a motherboard from a computer I built, thinking it would have the CPU in it, and they brought it, and it did not have the CPU in it. So I bought a CPU online, and that got delivered, put it in, couldn't get it running at all. Turned out the board was totally dead. So I bought a board, and the board got here, and I can't get video to output from the board, and there is a sticky yellow substance on the bottom. So I'm not sure if it's whatever that mysterious yellow substance is that's causing the problem, or if it's something with the board. I messaged the guy I got it from on eBay. He's sending me a new board totally free. It could be that my RAM is bad. I have two sticks of RAM that I found on the sidewalk one day. So that's a little suspect. I walked to Micro Center. It's like two hours round trip. And I bought RAM that was the wrong kind of RAM. I bought laptop RAM. So I got online a piece of technology that converts laptop memory to desktop memory. It gets here, and the left side of it is smashed. So every single step of the way, there's been an obstacle. You know, my, my experience with buying computer components or sort of doing any kind of maintenance like that has been generally everything working the first time. I, I think the only thing is that the, the payoff at the end is going to be all the better, right? Well, I'm still using a board and CPU that's from like 2014, and I am still using a graphics card from 2009. I don't know if you're familiar with the GTX 480, but it gets so hot when it's running that it can cook an egg. It's like one of the least efficient graphics cards of all time. I'm really trying to, you know... I'm trying to find the bright spot here. But... I'm trying to find the optimism, but it's a little bit rough. Yeah. Uh, Miles, what's your worst horror story of building it yourself or bad components that you've run into? I I have a lot of, I, I get a lot of junk from the trash can. Nice. Like, si like servers on the side of the street, my buddies and like old bosses get, just give me old servers. So I have, the most common issue that I always run into is I'll have a server I'm trying to install something on and it has a CD-ROM drive. So I put a CD in it and it doesn't work. And I spend like four hours like trying USB keys, trying CDs, trying DVDs, and I realize it's just a CD-ROM, not a DVD-ROM drive. Uh, so I need to go out and buy CDs, 
which I actually did recently. I went over to Micro Center and got CDs, and it still didn't. Still didn't <laughs> work. Oh, no. So now I just have this hunk of metal sitting next to me, and uh, I, I can't put anything on it. Oh no! Maybe you should, but, you know, get, have a stack of backup floppy drives. I think that's the. <laughs> well, I have those at my other location, but unfortunately, not with me today. But the most catastrophic thing I've done is I've accidentally crashed an entire school's network oh, by installing GarageBand. What? How did that do that? Well, we uh, we rebuilt our music lab, which uses Apple uh, Mac Minis. We got new ones, and you need to install GarageBand on all of them. So the update for GarageBand is about 30 gigs, and <laughs> it turns out Windows has a like a pre-built like bandwidth limiter mac will just take whatever it can get <laughs> so if you try to download 30 gigs on seven macs at the same time <laughs> the sysadmin comes sprinting down the hall busting down the door saying everything's off <laughs> so was this uh, uh in high school or in college this was in high school Wow. So the high school and then the neighboring middle and elementary school didn't have internet for uh, the duration of the installation. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. But it installed in like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's good internet anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So again, thanks for joining us, Miles. So do you mind telling us a little bit about how you got started at Summer Tech? Yeah. So... Um, Basically, I've just kind of been into like coding and programming basically all my life. I, um, I like to tinker with stuff. And when I got to college, I met my friend Gabe and we were hanging out. And one day he said, you know, you, would, you should be a teacher at Summer Tech. You, you'd be a good fit. I was very hesitant at first, but he eventually talked me into it. And then, uh, yeah, then I showed up one day and here we are. What was the hesitation? I've never actually like taught before summer tech, like in an actual like setting. Um, so I was kind of nervous on the like someone sitting there looking at you, asking you questions sort of thing. I guess the interrogation of it. I, I was nervous like I'd forget stuff or skip something or like screw it up somehow. But once I actually like sat down and started teaching, it all just kind of comes naturally. Um, it's a very, I guess, impromptu process of each person's different and you have to kind of just like work with them and you get to the common end goal at the end. But every time you sit down with a student, it's just a different experience. So you kind of have a atypical experience in a number of ways with summer tech, which I want to sort of dive into a little bit more because you came um, already as a college student, not having attended the camp yourself. So I think the first way I want to go with that is when did you first learn how to program? First learning to program, I guess, from a very young age. I've always been like fascinated by technology and like electronics and um, I would always take stuff apart. And then I realized the stuff I take apart, you can actually program too. So started with little switches and buttons and lights and then from there I graduated to like uh, Arduinos um, and then from there to uh, other languages like uh, C, uh, PHP, Java, JavaScript. As I broadened the my pool of tools and resources to tinker with, I broadened my ability to 
utilize them. And how did you first learn how to program? I guess it started when um, I attended like a Lego league. I was part of the local robotics group. And that's like a very drag and drop basic interface, more or less. And then from there, I always start with like my end goal. I know what I want it to do. And then from there, using the concepts that I've learned over the years, kind of, I, I work backwards from the pro from the problem. So if I have like a, a task I want it to do, say I want like a display board. Okay, I have the board, I have the picture I want, but how do I get it on the picture? Okay, how can I automate that? Okay, how can I schedule that? And just kind of working backwards from where I want to be. And so with that, did you find the way you would learn how to do those parts was just researching online? It's a mix of both. So I started out with um, like online tutorials. So they have a lot of really good resources. For example, with Python, you can go online and it breaks it down for you. Okay, this is how we interface with the program. This is how we get our output from the program. And then it gives you a series of problems and it teaches you the concept step by step. And then from there, you can find really good uh, just YouTube series on anything you want. You can start with, uh, I think I, my first YouTube series of programming was actually Bash or Windows command line. Would you recommend that as a good place to start learning programming? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> terrible, not? terrible language. You can't do anything in it except uh, make like text flash on the screen and open uh, Internet Explorer windows. Um, <laughs> I was able to make Snake in it. Terrible, terrible version of Snake. It's uh, very impressive that you were able I, to do that in Bash. If I'll, I can send you a copy later if you like. Yes. Please, but, um, please do. We'll post that in the podcast notes. Uh, yes, but if I were to start out, I would recommend just Python. It's a very forgiving language if you're not too fixated on like the structure of like semicolons and brackets and indentations. Uh, I, I would, if I were to start again, I'd start with Python. And then, so what was your experience? Because you, you spent quite a bit of time learning on your own and then you then eventually went to school where you would learn more of this stuff there. Did you appreciate the more structured environment after trying to learn some of it on your own or for you was learning on your own preferable? I want to say I appreciated having the instructor there to be able to answer questions. And mm -hmm. um, like, for example, like you get a lot of like edge cases that are very specific to the program you're making. And it might not be like the catch all solution you find on Stack Overflow. I guess doing it on your own is a fun challenge and everything, but it, it's a lot harder if you don't have like someone you can ask questions to. So do you do a, a lot of programming in your day-to-day -day work now? Or is it more... So do you actually want to tell the audience just a little bit about what it is you're actually majoring in and find sure. yourself doing? So I am currently enrolled um, at Wentworth Institute of Technology. I study computer networking. Um, and in my time here, I've been on two co-ops so far. I'm actually on my second one right now. My first co-op was at uh, Harvard Medical School, where I worked at the um, research computing division. I basically built and maintained um, tools and services that aid the researchers' needs. I actually probably spent more time programming there than at my current job. Um, I actually 
had to learn MATLAB and build a pipeline to take a big data dump of rat brain data and oh. reform and, it and put it into AWS for storage and querying. You know, for a second, just given what we've been talking about, I was like, I've never heard of that language before, rat brain. <laughs> and then I was like, nope. <laughs> so what sort of skills or tools do you find you need most often in day-to-day -day work that you've been doing at these two co-ops? Honestly, just being able to have an open mind and being able to go and find a solution to your problem, being willing to like dig, um, I guess is the term I want to use because every step of the way you run into another roadblock and you have to resolve that before you can resolve your next step to resolve the initial step. And it's just a rabbit hole of problems. So being able to problem solve is everything. I just now want to backtrack and get back to the summer tech experience and the summer tech part. Now that we have a much better picture of your background and sort of experience with programming, what surprised you when you first came to summer tech? The thing that surprised me was probably just... I didn't grow up with summer tech. We didn't have like computer camps or anything. So just like the like structure of it really surprised me. I was also kind of annoyed that I never heard of it before and I didn't get to go as a kid because um, that was like the bread and butter of my childhood, just like tinkering and playing with things and to be able to do that and have friends that are also interested in doing that too, all in one place and having like game time to play games. Any particular favorite summer tech memories that you have? I, I guess just... Uh, Sitting down and planning things with the staff is a, a fun thing. Like the every time like we go to discuss like camper of the week or like that's just always a hoot, as uh, Jenny would put it. Uh, get to go Jenny, down to them. Jenny being a fellow senior counselor. Yes. At Summer Tech. Getting to just like an absurd amount of candy at 10 p.m. <laughs> from the Moore store and staying up till like 2 a.m. fighting over uh, nominations and yeah. uh, just planning fun things that we think the students would enjoy. I hope trips to Cumberland Farms makes that list as well. Ooh, yes. Cumberland Farms trips and oil changes. <laughs> <laughs> so you are actually part of our very first crew to take on Summer Tech Boston. Yes. What was it like bringing that Summer Tech experience to a new place? It was different because there's a lot of culture that is built on layers and layers and layers of just years of inside jokes like the slab or like gnomes where like you come to a new audience and the passive like remarks just don't do the same justice they do at a SUNY purchase. I mean, I'm already kind of appreciating the fact that, you know, the effect that those references would have on our Boston audience are uh, exactly the effect it's most likely having on our podcast audience. Oh, of course. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, but exactly. if you've been to Summer Tech, you go, oh, the no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think there's a tension between sort of trying to transplant some of the culture and, yeah. and what made it special while also giving room for organic inside, you know, all that inside community jokes yeah. and culture and all that stuff to form based on the group of people that are actually there. You don't want to force it to be a clone of some, you know, other program. 
that yeah. it's not. Hey guys, gnomes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. This, everyone yeah. just stops in the lab and laughs. Like uh, that that doesn't fly at Boston. <laughs> no, it would not. All right. Any sort of any sort of like final thoughts about summer tech or anything that I should have asked you and but didn't? Not that I can think of. Overall, it's just like a really great experience, both from like a teaching perspective and um, from like a student perspective. Like being able to join the crew and like learn alongside all of you. Um, it totally makes me wish that like I had something like this growing up um, and something that I think would have pushed me to go even further than I've gone already. Thank you so much today, Miles, for joining us. And thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Summer Tech Podcast. Remember to follow our podcast on whatever platform you are listening to it on. And if you are interested in coding classes, you can always sign up or learn more information at www.codedom.com. Thank you. We don't have a coffee maker sponsorship for this podcast. But we are open to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs>